Welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. We bring you conversations that will inspire, empower, and educate you to thrive both in business and in life. My name is Vash Naidu, and I'm your host, an intuitive fempreneur coach and the founder of the Wonder Woman Club, a global community of phenomenal women doing phenomenal things in the world. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. I am very excited about our next guest. Um, she is an expert in human relations, the founder and the CEO of Turnisal Wellness, and the author of The Five Archetypes, Carrie Davidson. Welcome to the podcast. It is so amazing to have you here. Thank you, Vash. I'm really excited to be here and chatting with you today. So, you know, we, we had a brief chat um, beforehand and you've, you've obviously gone into this life of the archetypes in so much detail, but I want to get a bit of a backstory. Where did your journey start and how did you find yourself here going into the archetypes? Well, I want to start with the fact that I love the name of your podcast, right? The oh. sense of a, of a wonder woman. And, and I will connect it to your question. <laughs> the sense of a wonder woman. I feel like even since I was a little child, there was always this like bit inside of me that wanted to burst out and be like, I am wonder woman. Like, I feel like I can do everything, but there was this back talk, this you know, this other voice inside, it's like, you can't do everything. You can't do it. And, and, and the, that comparison to like, well, she's doing it better, or I shouldn't even try. There's competition. I'll, no one will ever see me. There's, there's, there was this deep soul desire to burst out and be this amazing person that I did really believe was in, inside. But, but then there was all this, mm, no, you can't, or no, you shouldn't. That's not what a woman does, you know, and um, and I think that that inner dialogue was bothering me for a long time. And I wanted to be the good girl. I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to be the best mom, the best wife, you know, the best. I, I started off as the head of HR at Columbia University here in New York, and I wanted to be the best worker. And that didn't include being show-offy, <laughs> which is like what inside I kind of felt like I wanted to be. And I saw other women, you know, able to do that. And so I think, you know, I looked for different ways to understand these parts of me. I tried psychotherapy. I tried lots of Haagen-Dazs ice cream. <laughs> I tried <laughs> chocolate, you know, um, support groups, women's groups, walking with my friends. And, and I felt like I was just constantly searching and never finding ground. And I was very curious to find um, a method, a framework, something that made sense to me. I mean, I even, you know, dove into, is it God? Is it spirituality? What is it? And through you know, my interactions as the head of HR, I was seeing other people struggle with this. And then I moved on to run nonprofits for at-risk youth. And I saw children struggling with this. And I saw my colleagues struggling with this. And I was fortunate enough to meet an amazing integrated developmental pediatrician about eight years ago, who was teaching a method for for self-mastery really that included self-awareness self-regulation and empathy that was based in the ancient practices of chinese medicine 
and it's based in understanding the core forces within us that help us grow in the face of our own discomfort. And that discomfort can come from that, <clears throat> that internal chatter that we tell ourselves we can't, even though we want. Uh, it can come from other people, right? Our engagement, our challenges with our coworkers or our boss or our support staff or our life partners, our parents, our children, our friends, right? Those interactions that kick up discomfort. Or it can be traffic on the street or not getting, you know, the gig that you were hoping to get or not getting into the school you wanted. So that, that was this amazing ancient framework for how everything grows in the face of challenge. And I thought, well, that's what I've been looking for. I need a framework that makes sense, that is holistic. So it's based in the mind, the body, the spirit, the relationship, emotional, cognitive, behavioral. There's nothing, no part of humanity that's not baked in. So it honors the whole person. And it's also a system that grows with you as you advance, as you try new things, as you enter new relationships and new jobs. And so for me, it has given me a tremendous amount of relief. It helps me understand why I have my particular internal chatter and how to recognize it when it starts and how to cope in the face of it and how to quiet that voice and nurture my best self so that I can actually be more resilient to that stuff and empathize also with the fact that sometimes I'm gonna do that and sometimes other people are gonna do that. And, um, and it's given me a roadmap for optimizing every single interaction I have with other people because that's the kind of stuff that gets us stuck in maladaptive, unhealthy relationship patterns and keeps us from having amazing love or amazing innovation within a team. And um, so I think I, I came to this out of my own lifelong struggle with the pain of not knowing why, you know, I got caught up in negative thought patterns and unhealthy relationships. And I just desperately wanted a way out and I kind of pulled it in from the ether somehow. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody up there heard me saying like please help I don't want to live like this <laughs> I don't know if that answered your question Vash <laughs> that is um such a phenomenal explanation of your whole journey and how you've actually transpired from you know I think that that inner voice is so prevalent in everyday life and I think it's more so now with everything that's going on in the world and mm -hmm. you know we we question it and sometimes we don't recognize how debilitating that can be in so many ways as well, because that inner voice is not generally positive or helpful in some ways. It's quite self-judging. Um, it's quite painful and, and causes a lot of suffering in a lot of ways. And your journey of that consistent seeking is, I think, like a lot of journeys, that something's not quite right, something's missing within us. And it doesn't mean we're incapable or lacking it's just that we don't know ourselves as well enough and we haven't mm -hmm. learned about ourselves because we tend to take, and especially as women, we tend to take the, the view of society and how we need to show up, you know, and whatever that might look like, wherever you come from, that's what we take as the, the view and the perspective. And then, I mean, I meet a lot of women through the Wonder Woman Club and a lot of the time women are fighting the status quo just to be themselves, just to be free enough, confident enough, 
and happy enough in being themselves without having the judgment and the criticism and the validation from others overshadowing it in so many different ways. So I love that you've expressed this journey and you've taken the plunge to find that, which many women are doing right now. And, you know, you mentioned so many things. I love this piece around the, the self-awareness, the self-regulation and the empathy and how it's tied into that mind-body-spirit connection, but also the cognitive, the emotional, the relationship, because we are multiple of different things all at once sometimes, which can be overwhelming as human beings, right? And, you know, when when you got into this process of learning around this, this spiritual, whatever practice you want to call it, can you talk to me more about how you encountered it and how you then started to implement it and take on board what's being saying? Because these are great saying knowledge is power. But if we don't implement the knowledge, it is useless. So can you talk to me a bit about that journey? So kind of how I implemented <clears throat> the five element, the five archetypes into my life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, so I was really um, fortunate to have found this doctor, Dr. Stephen Cowan, and he and I started a nonprofit together based in this method. We teach children around the world how to use it um, for self-awareness, self-regulation and empathy in the classroom and in their families. So we teach teachers, school systems, uh, parents, uh, so the dynamics are healthier. And um, so Dr. Cowan and I, he worked in my center at Turnisol in New York. And so he would come in in the mornings and about once a week, I would get to go upstairs into his office and just kind of slump down in the chair early, like on a Tuesday morning. And I'd say like, ah, I got another one. Like, and it would be dealing with one of my kids or dealing with my ex or dealing with a client or, or a staff member. And I would feel stumped. And, and he, his presence was so calming and generous and kind and empathetic. There was no judgment. It was as if he taught me almost by reflecting in a way back at me what he's hearing, but in not in a therapy kind of way, but in, in this gentle ocean, like this calm, reflective ocean of deep listening to distill the truth out of the mystery and the muck of what I was turning a situation into from my reactive, panicked, anxious, need to fix it quick, state. And so just by his demeanor, um, he, he kind of pulled me into the process of getting quiet and not just getting quiet with my words, uh, but getting quiet with my vibration in a way, like thoughts are vibration. Anxiety is a vibration. Chaos is a vibration. And that's kind of like how I would naturally react to uncomfortable emotions in other people. And so, so he started to model a very different way for me. And, and in those morning conversations, he would kind of interject, you know, your need to fix that is a very fiery overactive state. And if you injected more metal into your thought process, and I'd be like, oh, and then he would help me understand it and you see it kind of on a map, right? It's like a forecast. 
in a way that when I when I would understand my challenges from this perspective, I could actually predict what was going to happen. I could build a foundation of resilience inside myself and cope in the moment. I could observe my thoughts kind of as they were happening, knowing already that this is what was going to happen, right? I have predicted this. And I can self-soothe and I give myself permission to be that water in these conversations, in these difficult conversations and not need and know that my need to fix uncomfortable emotions is my overactive fire behavior and it is not adaptive. It's not agile. It is not the most resilient me. It is my reactive state. And to know that it is unique to someone whose primary is fire and that the rest of the world or whomever I'm probably talking to in that moment sees the world and this experience of our conversation from a completely opposite perspective, isn't thinking or feeling or worried about uncomfortable emotions. And so I was lucky enough to have a teacher in my office <laughs> who would reflect back to me, but, um, but I ended up falling so much in love with this method from having the nonprofit that I started to be, I started to use it with my adult clients. I'm an Ayurvedic nutritionist and a Reiki master and a vibroacoustic sound therapist. And, uh, and my clients, I would notice how their challenges they brought to our sessions fit so well by like being kind of fixed by this method that I could hand this over to them as a method that they could own and use and take with them into the different parts of their lives rather than needing to be tethered to me as a healer. Yeah. And I loved that. And um, so, yeah, I use it. I use it in corporate, you know, corporate. Now a lot of my individual clients run companies, they're entrepreneurs and they're artists and they're rock stars and they'll bring me into their companies and their organizations and be like, teach them this. <laughs> so I think that's, you know, that's such an amazing, um, you know, that, that skill to be so self-aware and then to have this knowledge base that allows you to predict play by play, play what could happen before it even happens so that you can already change the course of the outcome because you are so self-aware within yourself, but you're also self-aware with your behaviors and your actions and your reactions to something. And if you can course correct quicker, you can prevent a lot more pain, especially if it's a relationship with other people, you can prevent a lot more difficulty ahead if you just know that. So, you know, I love, I love this, this topic so much. So I'd love for you to share the archetypes, um, what they are and what they actually represent. Sure. So there are five archetypes and we all have all five within us. And it is widely accepted that we have one type that is the primary way that we engage in challenges and in, in what we contribute to the world. One primary way we see and we interact. And so the five are fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. And I'll give you like a really quick synopsis of what it's like to be a primary of each of these types. And granted, it's so much bigger than this, but this will give you a taste. So 
people who are primary is, um, is fire. Their gift to the world is joy and hope and optimism. They remind you that everything will get better soon. They are romantic. They enjoy intimacy. Uh, they crave touch and connection. Their biggest fears revolve around loss of love and loss of connection. And when they realize these biggest fears, they tend towards panic, anxiety, big drama over little things. Um, burn, they tend towards burnout because they, they need stimulation. They, they do a lot of things. They like to stay busy and they can get bored easily. So they need, they need to be <laughs> redirected. Um, then you have earth, people who are primary earth. Their gift to the world is, um, is unity and community and empathy. They not only understand and feel someone's pain, but they know what needs to be done. They are really good at turning chaos into order. They care about getting involved in people's lives and fixing problems. Um, earth people, their biggest fears revolve around abandonment. And if they feel the potential of abandonment, their stress states manifest as obsessive worrying and overwhelm. They're the ones that tend to obsess about fitting in and obsess about being needed. They need to be needed and they think that needs are bad. Their own needs are bad. So they can traditionally have trouble setting boundaries and asking for their own needs to be met in relationships. Then you have metal. People with primary metal, their gift to the world is beauty and perfection and grace. Um, metal people, they, um, they are architects, designers. They notice specific details of things that the rest of us may miss. They are really good at learning from their mistakes. Um, they can tend to be sometimes highly critical and judgmental of themselves and others. They have very high standards for themselves and others. Um, their biggest fears revolve around making a mistake or being wrong. And when their biggest fears are realized, they tend to over-focus on what's wrong rather than what's right. And they'll over-focus on the details and miss the bigger picture. So much so sometimes that they miss opportunities to drive a project or an idea forward because they're trying to fix the one thing that they see is, is off. Um, then you have water. Water people, um, their gift to the world is peace. They, they strive, they are the, the ones among us that, that strive to distill the truth out of mystery. They really deeply care about family and history and, and, and planting roots deep, right? Water, if left to its own graces, goes to the deep, it just keeps going down, 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 it gets deep. Um, people who, whose primary is water, um, they crave knowledge. They are poets, philosophers, dreamers. Um, their biggest fears revolve around uh, not being seen as important or wise. And, um, and when, when they feel like people don't care about what they have to say or what they have to offer, uh, their stress states are in over-isolation. They will tend to get quiet and way too introspective. They will get addicted to thinking about their problems and not value um, 
the importance of socializing or interacting with other people to talk out a problem. They don't see the value in it and they will, um, they will tend towards depression. Then you have people who are primary wood. Um, people who are primary wood, their gift to the world is freedom, not only for themselves, but teaching the rest of us that we can do and be and express and build and initiate um, amazing things in this world. We, we are, wood people are tra trailblazers. They are uh, the amazing coach of the high school football team that tells everyone they can do it, right? And cheers you on and make sure things happen. Um, wood people, um, they like a good challenge. They need a choice. They don't, their biggest fears revolve around confinement, being, you know, having someone or something getting in their way of doing something fast. And they like to be best and first. They like to win. Um, they will get you out of a burning building unscathed. They will not be the ones who sit down and want a kumbaya about it. <laughs> They're like, dudes, we got to get out here or we're in trouble. <laughs> um, under stress, wood types um, will go into anger or frustration quickly. As fast as they get things done is as fast as they as can escalate into a stress state over, um, over something or someone getting in their way of getting something done. Um, so that's a, a quick of the, of the five. There's so much more, but I want, I know we, we don't have all day. <laughs> so, so I was brave enough to take the test and we were going to discuss it during the interview. So you can go ahead and tell me all about my results and, um, and we can explore this a bit more. Sure. So your primary was wood. Um, and your second was fire, and they were very close. So you probably draw on a lot of the gifts of both. Your lowest is also very, also anyone's lowest is really important um, to, to know and to understand when you're talking about building resilience and understanding your, <clears throat> your reactive states to certain things um, and how to, how to cope and how to actually build a team. Like what kinds of behaviors and activities are you just not gonna wanna do? Um, and it's interesting as an entrepreneur, as someone who's like going to be hiring consultants or hiring a team of people to support your vision, we're gonna need people who are good at lots of different things that we're not good at. But something to keep in mind is you're going to hire people who are good at those things you're not, who are also going to have personality traits that correspond to those skill sets, which are the ones that are hardest for you to tolerate. So your relationship, your manager relationship to that, those people who are doing the skills you don't like to do is going to be a, your, those are going to be your biggest challengers. And it's going to be important to know how to manage those relationships well. And that's baked into this system. So, so as a primary wood, um, your wood energy is pretty high. It means you're, you're amazing at driving an idea forward. You probably are, are good at coming up with ideas that can make the world a better place or improve people's lives. And from your scores, it looks like you don't sit on ideas for too long. You actually are good at... Uh, implementing them or getting things started, moving things forward. You're probably a visionary. You probably uh, are able to uh, make plans, set goals, and keep the you know keep moving towards them. 
from your scores, it doesn't look like you're the kind of person to to sit around and wait for someone else to get it started. <laughs> you're like, you have a lot of innate drive. Um, your, your stress state will be kicked up when you feel confined, when you feel like someone is saying no, or you can't do that, it can't be done that way. Uh, or someone who's over-focused on, well, it's always been done this way so that we can't change it. You know, it's been this way for a hundred years. And wood people are like, but a hundred years of doing it that way has not made a change in the way and the outcome. We've got to try something new. So your energy is, is about pushing through these like old antiquated structures. Um, and it's probably something that that gives you a lot of um, um, joy to be able to, to do something like that in the world. Your lowest by almost 20, a 20 point difference is metal. So metal in this, each of these five has, has relationships baked in. So I, so I can tell you kind of like what types of people you'll gravitate towards, how they'll, certain people will push your buttons in certain ways, but metal people, um, are the only of the five that can really kind of make you frustrated, like really annoyed and really question yourself because wood people are so good at making things happen fast and being really good at it and at delegating that when they're faced with a metal person, metal people, I don't know, like what I, when I was mentioning kind of some of their characteristics, they're highly it's easy for them to get highly critical and judgmental of themselves and others and would people because metal is is that one energy that can really push their buttons would people are highly sensitive to anything that feels like criticism and so would people will not that they'll necessarily believe everything although you have high fire and fire people believe everything everybody says <laughs> the good and the bad um, but the the wood gets more annoyed at it and then can all the can start to get annoyed at themselves and will overcompensate or oh, need feel like they need to overprove themselves and so that that energy of like avoid like feeling annoyed by um, what feels like criticism will be even more intense for you. One, it's naturally intense because it's the one that bothers wood. And two, it's your lowest nature of the five. So that's an area where I would just practice being an observer. Like when you start to feel anger or frustration come up, ask yourself, you know, is this because someone or something's getting in my way or I feel like there's some criticism about my work? And if so, you know, your, your solve there is to go into water, which is pause and give it space. Like Dr. Cowan used to tell me, like, let's be the water, let's be the ocean for a minute. And just listen, listen to your, what, what needs of your own are for safety are not being met. And each of the types has a very exhaustive list of very particular needs that I go through in my book. But one of your needs is going to be speed. And so if things aren't getting done quickly, you're going to easily go into um, your stress state and be easily triggered. Um, metal is also about orderliness. So these are your lowest, right? 
um, orderliness, uh, timeliness, um, um, structure. Um, what else would I say? It's also about the breath. So on a physical body component, it's about like really taking a minute to like do a nice exhale sometimes. Um, it's about refinement, perfection, gratitude, forgiveness, and forgiveness for yourself is like, that's like the highest level of metal. And gratitude at the highest level is about being grateful for even the hard stuff. Like knowing that these more, the most difficult things for you have actually um, given you the most resilience and taught you the most elevated lessons. Um, I think it's so, really, um, and it's, it's so interesting, like listening to those perspectives, because, you know, I can, I can see myself in different roles and receiving that. Um, and I can also see that, you know, in some ways, I think when you listen, you know, like I've, I've also trained in a few personality things like disc profiling and things like that. And I love all of this stuff because the more you learn about yourself, the better you can become and the choices you make are so crucial because you have more information. And I think, you know, even with all of these things, it's how we choose to show up in our life because we can learn about this, but then it's what do we do about it? Because if, you know, like for me, my weaker points, I, I am an, an impatient person. I do like speed. Um, and it's something I have to work on because I know that that is one of my traits. So I have to stop myself at times and pull myself back and say, no, I shouldn't have that conversation right now. I need to calm down. I need to let it breathe, let it sit and then have that conversation. And it's so important both in your corporate work environment, but also in your personal relationships in taking into consideration how you as an individual behaves and how someone else behaves. And, you know, funnily enough, we were, we had a clubhouse room last night and we we're talking about the five love languages. And all of these things actually play such an important part because your love languages are not only about your significant other, it's about your work relationships, like what's important to people, it's about your family dynamics. And these things make such a huge, huge difference. So I love, I love learning about this stuff. And it's so, it's so true. I couldn't help smiling, you know, when you were saying certain things, I was like, oh my God, that is so me. Um, so it's, it's really, really um, amazing to hear that. And I'd love to ask you, you know, um, to, you know, when people get this information and some of it can be quite challenging, right? If you haven't um, done a lot of work on yourself or you're not in that place to receive the constructive feedback, how do you help people align so that they can actually learn from this and make the shifts and change that will help them to become better and more embodied in their true self? Well, one of the things I always do um, when I work with an individual or with a company is I make sure that the way I communicate this information to you is in very applicable, um, dynamic specific bite-size bits of information that you can apply to your life now and see an immediate change. I think one of the challenges, you know, one of the reasons why I wasn't drawn to um, like Myers-Briggs or, you know, all the different, the other different personality tests, I have taken them all and I cannot remember <laughs> what I am. It just didn't sink in because they were not really dynamic. A lot of them required me to choose. It was a forced answer question. You're either this or that. And I'm like, well, I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, sometimes I'm that. <laughs> and then I, I felt like 
um, it was very, it was all philosophical. Like, how do I bring that down to the moment when I'm about to go into a meeting with my earth boss who tells stories, you know, on and on and we don't get to the point. And I'm not metal. Metal is about the getting to the point. How do I bring up the metal in the meeting with my earth boss and I don't upset him? And why do I care that I upset him? Because I'm primary fire. And so I'll go into um, a company and give them exactly how to do that. Very quick in the moment that, that helps them deeply understand and have their own needs for safety met in a meeting but also empathize with the gifts and the challenges of everyone around them in a way that does not require years of therapy, a whole 32 page report. Um, it's like, it's very, you know, instant. And, and so the way that I work is really, um, yeah, it's lovely to build a whole um, foundation of self-awareness um, over time, but I think we are a society that has a very short attention span and um, very low tolerance for discomfort. And so we're seeking a quick fix. And if it's not fixing, we move on to the next thing. And so that's what happened with me with like, even with things like astrology, like though all these other um, typing systems were like, cool for a minute, but I, in the moment when I'm on a date and I'm sitting there, you know, with a, a new person and I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable and I'm he, I'm starting to feel myself um, lose my boundaries or answer questions I didn't really want to answer. If you were to ask me and I was feeling secure in who I was, um, I'm not able to pull up my, my Myers-Briggs 32 page report and I'm not able to remember about what to do with my love languages or my the fact that I'm an Aries <laughs> like those that's kind of where what I love about archetypes is that it's so actionable and in the moment in the and it's that's where the sweet spot is in those critical contextual moments of discomfort and as you start to use it in that way it just um because we repeat we get our chronic challenge is always the exact same thing based on your scores um it all all of a sudden you can use that same strategy that i taught you how to use in a meeting with your boss with your children and with your parents and with your husband or your wife and um so it doesn't have to be like this whole deep philosophical dive. You don't have to become yeah. an expert. So I think, you know, like, I think it's so, um, it is so interesting. And, you know, I think I would, I would definitely urge everyone listening to take the test. It is on your website, um, which will be linked in, in the podcast. But I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your wisdom in the subject, because it, it really is very eye-opening. So I appreciate your time and thank you so much for joining us. And we would love to have you back to talk about this in more detail. Thanks, Fash. I love it. And I love, I love what you're doing. And I feel like everyone needs to know and listen to, you know, the information that you're sharing. I think people will benefit tremendously. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you.